Welcome to the audio podcast of North River Church. You can find out more about North River and ways you can be involved at our website, gonorthriver.org. Join me in the book of Colossians once again. We will continue on in our series through the book of Colossians, covering this morning Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 15. I don't know if you know this or not, but keys are very important in life. Keys help you open things or close things and keep them closed. And if you don't have a key, it's not a good thing at times. We were driving down the interstate this summer, heading north to my parents' house. And we were talking in the car. We were very close to the Georgia line. And we realized that we had left something turned on at home. So we were having the conversation about what do we do? Smart people leave keys with neighbors. We're not smart. So we're thinking through, all right, how do we figure this out? So my first thought was, call a cop. Surely they know how to get in a door. So I called one of our church members and I said, Brian, here's what's going on. How do you get in a door? And he said, we kick it in. <laughs> it's like, okay, that, that's not what I was picturing. So uh, what's plan B? He's like, I don't know what to tell you. So I thought, okay, well, if a police officer can't fix the situation, maybe a firefighter can fix the situation. So I reached out to a firefighter in our church and I said, hey, listen, we left something on in the house. Is there any way that you can get in the door? And he's like, I mean, we typically break the door down. And I said, that's not an option, but can you figure out a way to get in? He's like, I don't know. I may be able to come up with a solution where I can lift up on the, the back door that's a slider and maybe kind of pop it out real quick. And I'm thinking, oh, that didn't sound good. And I didn't really know what else to do at that point. And in my mind, I just thought, there has to be a way to have a key made digitally so that I could send it to someone. Some of you have your pen and paper out. You're ready to figure out what this is all about. I don't know if you know this or not, but if you go to Home Depot, there is a key machine called Key Hero. You can go to any Home Depot Put your key in, it makes a digitally encrypted copy of your key, and you can give it to someone not where you are located. So, I thought, here's my answer. So we pull off in Valdosta, run in to make a copy digitally of our house key. I called Brian back and I said... I don't know if this is going to work. He's like, probably not. (laughs) I said, but they say it will work. And will you run by Home Depot and enter in my password and credentials at Key Hero Kiosk and get a key printed made of our house key in Bradenton? 
He's like, I guess so. So he goes in, enters the information, prints the key, goes to our home, sticks the key in the lock, and guess what happened? It opened. (laughs) Keys are very important. And this morning, as we look at our text, we're going to see the key to living out the Christian life. What is it that unlocks the ability for us to live out the Christian life that God has called us to live out? I want to read for us this morning the text. Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 6, going through verse 15. You follow along in your Bible. You can also follow along on the screen. If you don't own a Bible, you can pick one up at our Next Steps table, and that would be our gift to you as you head out this morning. This is what Paul writes to this church in Colossae. Beginning in verse 6, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in Him who is the head of all rule and authority. In Him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, By putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you are also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see that you would open our ears, that we would be able to hear, that you would open our hearts and our minds, that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit this morning. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. As we look at the text this morning, I want you to write down this main idea. This will frame everything that we are going to talk about this morning in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 15. The key to living out the Christian life is recognizing our true identity in Jesus Christ. The key to living out the Christian life is recognizing our true identity in Jesus Christ. Kids, if you are wanting to take notes this morning, you can simply write main idea and draw the picture of a key this morning, because that's what we're going to talk about. What is the key to living out 
the Christian life. Paul writes, beginning in verse 6, As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, the expectation here as Paul is writing to this group of believers is that they have trusted in Jesus as their Savior. So I want you to know this morning that that will be the foundation from which everything else Paul writes here is based. So here's what that means for us gathered this morning. There are two groups of people here today. Those who have trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior and those who have not taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as their Savior. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have taken that step this morning. I want you to tune in and realize and recognize what Paul says about living out the Christian life. What it means for your identity to be wrapped up in who Jesus is and what He has done. And if you're here this morning and you've not taken that step of trusting in Jesus as your Savior, I want to encourage you this morning also to tune in and to ask yourself the specific question, what is it about Jesus that is such a big deal? And this morning as we walk through the text, I believe you will see Jesus for who He is and you will have the opportunity this morning to place your faith and trust in Him for salvation. As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, Paul says, so walk in Him. Meaning, live out the Christian life. Live out the reality of what is true about you because Jesus Christ has transformed your life. So basically, don't just talk the talk, but actually walk the walk in your Christian life. He says it should be marked by being rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So for us this morning, what Paul wants this group of believers here in Colossae, and by extension who us who are reading this text today, is to live out what is true about us. To live out the reality that Jesus Christ has saved us, that Jesus Christ has transformed us. To live out in this world the Christian life. But the big question is, how do we do that? I mean, what is the key that actually unlocks the ability for us to be able to live out what we know is true about ourselves? If we're followers of Jesus, how do we do it? What's the step? How do we know that what has happened in our lives experiencing is that some were coming into the church and saying, listen, truly live out the Christian life. You need Jesus plus works. You need Jesus plus a good life. You need Jesus plus some secret knowledge that only a select few people have. You need Jesus plus these special visions that people were seeing. You need Jesus plus, Jesus plus, Jesus plus. And the gospel is Jesus plus nothing. That's here what Paul is emphasizing to them, and he's going to continue to unpack that for them to give them the key to living out the Christian life. Paul, beginning 
in verse 8 addresses the problem that these believers were experiencing. He said, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Paul, over the next few weeks in our time together through the book of Colossians, will unpack even more to give us a little more detail of what was going on. But as you see in the text this morning, beginning in verse 8, the problem that these believers were experiencing is people were seeking to lead them astray to say, yeah, you may have Jesus, but you need even more than Jesus. Jesus is not quite enough. You need more. And he describes it here by talking about philosophy and empty deceit, about human tradition, about the elemental spirits of the world. But none of those things, he says here, are according to Christ. They are Jesus plus something else. And so Paul is about to give us this morning the key to seeing what it means to live out the Christian life. And he does it beginning in verses 9 and 10 in helping us understand our true identity in Jesus. So if you're taking notes this morning, write this down. Kids, I'll give you a picture here in just a second that you can draw out beside number one. But here's the first truth. In Jesus Christ, we have been made complete. In Jesus Christ, we have been made complete. Kids, if you're taking notes, draw a box and put a check mark like your teachers do in school when you complete something. Put your check there. I want you to notice beginning in verse 9, Paul writes this, for in him, that is in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. This argument was an argument that Paul had made previously, beginning in verse 15 of Colossians chapter 1, of showing the true identity of who Jesus is, that He is God in the flesh, that He is God with skin on, that all the attributes that are due God the Father are also due the Son, that He was involved in creation, that when we see Jesus, we see the Father. That is what Paul emphasizes, and he hints at it once again here. In Him, in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Listen to verse 10. And you have been filled or completed in Him who is the head of all rule and authority. So remember the context in which Paul is writing this. People are coming and trying to say to this group of believers, you need Jesus plus something else. And Paul says to them, no, what you need to understand is Jesus Christ is fully God. Fully man and fully God, that in Him the fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you are complete in Him. You don't need anything else outside of Jesus Christ in a relationship with Him. You don't need Jesus plus works. You don't need Jesus plus some 
stirring. You don't need Jesus plus some burning from within. You don't need anything plus Jesus. You need Jesus. Why is Jesus enough? Because Jesus is God in the flesh. And so they were running out these philosophies. They were running out these ideas. They were running out these extra things that you needed to add to Jesus. And Paul looks them square in the eyes and says, you need nothing besides Jesus. Jesus is enough. Now let's think about that for a second for us as His church now. If we're not careful... Even though we may proclaim with our lips after we've trusted in Jesus Christ that Jesus is enough, aren't we often tempted to want to try to add more? Aren't we tempted to want to try to add more? Like we think in our minds, let me see if any of you feel this way. We think in our minds that there are times when God is kind of like a teacher who is looking at us and grading our life, and when we mess up, he goes, hmm, let me get my red pen out. And the reality is, that is not the way Scripture portrays God the Father. That in Christ, we are complete That Christ's righteousness covers us. That when the Father sees us, He sees His Son. That we are made complete in a relationship with the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so what I want to encourage you this morning is the realization, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, Jesus plus nothing is enough. You don't need anything else added to Jesus to be complete in life. You don't need Jesus plus good works. Not saying that good works are bad, but you can't be saved by good works. Not Jesus plus some spiritual gift, because that doesn't matter in the grand scheme of who Jesus is, even though spiritual gifts are good things. Jesus is enough. And the false teaching that was entered this church was trying to say to people, Jesus isn't enough. And yet in Jesus Christ, we have been made complete. Paul doesn't stop there. He continues on in verse 11 and 12. Here's the second truth that we see this morning. In Jesus Christ, we have been made family. In Jesus Christ, we have been made family family. Kids, you can put number two and draw a picture of your family. This morning, what we see Paul emphasizing beginning in verse 11, he says, in him, also in Christ, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead. You see, what you see as you walk your way through the Old Testament, as you look at God's chosen people, Israel, beginning with Abraham, you realize that circumcision, and I'll let you explain that to your kids later today, parents. 
<laughs> yeah, that's good, right? That that was a picture of a covenant promise between God and his people. And here, it's not the physical act that he's talking about here. It is a spiritual act that in Christ we have been circumcised. The heart that has been taken out of us is a heart of stone, and we've been implanted with a heart of flesh, Scripture says, so that our dead heart is now gone, and we've been made alive in Christ. But he also describes it in this way as well, that We have been buried with him in baptism. So this picture that Paul is painting here is not just that we have been made a part of God's covenant family as we've trusted in Jesus Christ as our Savior, but also that in Christ we have experienced what Christ experienced, meaning that we were buried in Christ. And the picture of baptism that we see and that we'll celebrate on November the 3rd, is that on display. The realization that Christ on the cross, when He was there, He was paying for our sin. That on the cross, as He paid for our sin, and He died there, that He was taken down off the cross, and He was buried. He was put in a tomb. But we know that He didn't stay there. He rose from the dead. And so the picture of baptism is simply us being buried with Christ, taken underwater, and then brought out of the water, symbolizing that we've been raised to new life because of what Christ has done in us. So you look and you may ask the question what's the big deal about baptism? You could very much equate that with well, what's the big deal about salvation? Because the big deal about baptism is it is a picture, it is a demonstration of what Christ has done for us. Meaning that He took our sin upon Himself and paid for those. And so as He was on the cross, in essence, our sin was on the cross with Him. And then when He was buried, we were buried with Him. And then when He was raised to new life, we were raised with Him. And so that's the reason that we place such an emphasis on baptism, the reason that I want to encourage you even this morning as we look forward to November the 3rd. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior and you've never taken the step after that publicly of declaring your faith in Jesus Christ by being baptized, taken underwater, and brought back, I want to encourage you even now to ask yourself, why would I not? Take the step to declare for everyone to see what Christ has done for me. If Paul thought it was so important in writing to this group of believers in Colossae that were being bombarded with false teaching, that were being told that Jesus is not enough, what a beautiful picture of stating with our lives and with what we do when we are baptized that Christ is enough. That we have been buried with Him in baptism. We have been raised to walk in new life. Paul here says, We've been buried with Him in baptism, verse 12, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead. Think about this. The same 
power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that gave you new life in Christ. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that took you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. The same power that took your sins and paid for them and made it possible for you to have a relationship through Christ. Paul here says, you want to know what it means to live out, to walk out the Christian life? The first key is to recognize that you are complete in Christ. You need nothing else. But not only that you are complete in Christ, but also that you are part of the family of God. That picture here of circumcision, that picture of baptism, all of those are symbolic features that are given by God to His people so that it demonstrates whose they are. Are. In the Old Testament, circumcision said, I'm a part of the covenant family of God. In the New Testament, baptism says, I'm part of the covenant of the family of God. Meaning, if you're a believer here this morning, the reality for you is that you are a child of God. You are a son or a daughter of God. Meaning that when you walk out of this building and you live out your life in front of the world, that what you are living out is the reality that you are a child of God. Let me just ask you this this morning. If your parents were unbelievably wealthy, some of you are laughing, right? Ah, that's fun. But this, if your parents unlimited resources, multi-multi-billionaires. Would you live a little different than you do now? Say, no, Michael, I would never do that, right? Give the money to the church. You'd probably fly first class. You'd probably stay at a little nicer hotel. You'd probably eat Filet instead of hamburger steak. You may drive a little bit nicer vehicle than you drive, a little bit in a nicer house than you. Why would you do that? Because of who your parents are and the resources they have at their disposal. Now, think about this. We, if we are followers of Jesus, have been adopted into the family of God, the God who created everything that exists, that owns everything that exists. So that all at His disposal for us as believers, we have the riches of Christ in our lives. And what Paul says here is, why don't we live that out? If we understand that, if we realize the reality of that, we will live out the Christian life demonstrating that we understand we are part of the family of God. As we look at the last truth this morning in Jesus Christ, we have been made victorious. In Jesus Christ, we have been made victorious. That's the third truth. Kids, you can write number three and you can draw a trophy. 
You have been made victorious, and you don't get a trophy just by existing. Amen? Some of you are like, wait, you don't? You get a trophy if you win, right? So look at what he says here, beginning in verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Listen to verse 15. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. You see, not only for us are we complete in Jesus Christ, not only are we family in Jesus Christ, but we are victorious in Jesus Christ. Why are we victorious in Jesus Christ? Because He is victorious. Because He conquered sin on the cross. Because He conquered death when He was raised from the grave. We as believers this morning are victorious because we are in Christ and Christ is victorious. Meaning that should affect the way that we live our lives. If we're playing a game and we know going into the game that we are already going to win, it changes the way that we play. The same thing is true in our lives. We know that we are victorious because we are in Christ and He is victorious. Meaning the reality that sin no longer conquers us. It no longer has power over us because Christ has defeated sin and the grave. Death no longer conquers us because Christ has conquered death. We are assured as believers that we will live again. See, the reality for us this morning as believers is if we will understand, if we will take the key that is given to us here, of how to live out the Christian life, recognizing our identity in Jesus Christ, I am confident this morning, church, it will change the way we live. Who you are in Jesus will affect the way that you live your life if you understand it in all of its glory, in all of its magnificence, if you understand what Christ has done in you, you will realize that you need nothing else outside of Him. You will realize that He has adopted you into His family. You will realize that in Him you are victorious as a follower of Jesus Christ. And Paul says to these believers, what more do you need? And the answer, absolutely nothing. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity we've had this morning to gather, gather even with our elementary age kids and 
sing and pray and give and worship through your word. Father, this morning I recognize that there may be those here that have never taken the step of trusting in Jesus Christ as their Savior. That the things that we read about this morning that are true of followers of Jesus, that those things are not yet true for them. But they have an opportunity this morning to call on the name of Jesus Christ and be saved. To place their faith and trust in Him. To experience what we who have trusted in Jesus have experienced. And so, Father, my prayer this morning is that seeing who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and what's made possible through his life and his death and his resurrection, that they too would place their faith and trust in him for salvation. Father, for those here who have already taken that step, would you remind us this morning what is true about us? Would you remind us who we are in Jesus Christ? Would you remind us that we are absolutely complete in Him? Would you remind us that in Him we have been adopted as sons or daughters of the living God? Would you remind us this morning that we are victorious because Christ is victorious. Help us see today that that reality is the key to living out the Christian life we've been called to live out. Our identity in Christ. May you encourage us this morning in this truths that we've heard so that as we leave we live out what is true about us today. We ask that all in Jesus' name.